Welcome to the Mike Quirk Podcast. Now give me my theme music. This series is brought to you with the help of PST Sport. PST Sport is a design and build specialist contractor focusing exclusively on the design and construction of artificial grass pitches and supporting infrastructure for soccer, GAA, rugby, hockey and tennis. PST's portfolio includes over 50 FIFA certified artificial grass pitches as well as multiple pitches tested and approved for World Rugby, GAA and FIH standards. PST Sports have done over 500 artificial grass pitches for clubs, schools, colleges and local authorities in Ireland and the UK for all different sporting codes. Visit pstsport.com for more details. Okay, welcome again so everybody uh, to our sixth episode in the second series. Um, and again, for people who are tuning in for the first time, I suppose this is generally about coaching and, and, and sports performance, a little bit of everything really. Um, and for those that wouldn't be aware, this is as a fundraiser for Recovery Haven, who are an organization based in Tralee and County Kerry, who provide free cancer support services for the people of Kerry and beyond. Um, and for people who do find a bit of value in the content of any of the episodes, there's a link in my in the podcast description below or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk, and we would ask people just to donate any couple of euros to a, a really good cause. Um Today I'm delighted to say I'm I'm joined by someone who I've become very familiar with in the last year, uh, uh, from Galbelly to Carlarney, which is a nice trip. Uh, Paddy Tally, Paddy, very welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, good to be here and uh, on a night, especially with uh, such a good cause um, associated with your podcast. So listen, anybody out there, as Mike says, throw a few pound in the pot. I know it's it's come to Christmas now, and all this money be really really appreciated for Haven. For sure, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um. How's everything up that side of the country, Paddy? Uh, it's cold. Is it's it as cold, cold up there? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're. I think the I seen minus seven this morning in the car when I was leaving the kids to school. So it's pretty pretty sharp hard for us at the moment. But um, it's lovely. It's nice, but pretty cold, Mike. Pretty it's cold. Pretty cold. And to be fair, you you would often have said, Paddy, when you came down here, the weather it never the sun never shine in in Clarny or Tralee, but it was always nice up there. Yeah. Well, no, the, well, the, it's not the sun, it's the rain. The sun would come out now and again, but the amount of rain you have down there is savage, like, you know, and it's it seems just come on as you go through past Limerick and then it just starts to rain, you know, so they don't know what it is. Yeah. That's why the golf courses are so nice, though, yeah. <laughs> well, the golf is always green. They're always nice and green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so come here, we'll... we'll um... We'll get into it a little bit, Patty, and 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 again, like I, I'd like this to kind of. This is obviously not specific to to uh, any of those multitude of teams. I was just even looking it up. Obviously, you you were involved with Tyrone in two thousand and three, the Royal Ireland final with Down in two thousand and ten. You were involved with Kevin Welsh and Galway. Obviously, involved this year with Kerry in twenty twenty two, Sigurdsson with Saint Mary's in twenty seventeen. Um, you're lecturing above. Are you still there in the PE department above in 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 uh, in Saint Mary? So, so you're you're yeah. as well positioned as as anybody to talk about about coaching and and what it is. So maybe even just start there, Paddy. What for you in terms of coaching? What what what's the stuff that comes into your head when when somebody talks to you about coaching? Yeah, um, so, I suppose my my uh, own involvement in coaching started off from a very early age. You know, getting get involved in my own club teams under age level, Mike. And then as things progressed, I, I started to work with the University of St. Mary's. I was lecturing, I was lecturing St. Mary's and uh, I was taking the, the Sigerson Cup team. 
and um that probably was the was my I suppose it was like uh it was the, the my key learning experience you know where I learned an awful lot about coaching in that environment I was quite young at the time I only left college a few years I was I was teaching and they asked me to come back and to work with the team so I think that was around about 2000 and uh but those those two or three years of coaching third level students was really really important in my development I think that opened my eyes out to the possibilities of what you could do when you work with really good players a lot of these lads were playing county on the 20s 21s that time someone had broken into the county senior squads and a lot a lot of the lads had played county minors so when they're coming to university level football which university level football is great especially in the winter time and it's a high level football and and I I think that that I think well, those years were crucial in developing myself as a coach. I um I really enjoyed those years and and um then I then I brought me into working into county lab in two thousand and three and I've been sort of I think I just finished my fifteenth year there into county senior uh, coaching and management there this year. So um coaching has been a has been an evolving process for myself um and. Uh, I have to say, like, and every challenge, every time you work with a new team, it provides a whole new range of challenges. Um, but that's what that's what keeps it interesting, you know. And I think the key is you never feel as if you've learned enough. Um, you're always looking to see how, what you're doing, how you can bring it to a team, and if it works, fantastic. And if not, you have to go back and look at it again and trying to trying to to change things. But it's been it's been a sort of a, a big part of my life now, and and um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. And, and that idea of, of it evolving from like 2000. So that was the first time you were involved in a kind of coaching capacity with, with St. Mary's back, back early 2000. So. Yeah. I was doing a bit of work with my underage teams in the club, you know, but really it's, I suppose when you work with senior level players or, mm. or adult players, it was about 2000. I started to work at that time. So um, it, it was, uh, it was great. I think it was, it was a key. Once I got a taste for it at that level and you could see the quality of the football, you could get, get out of players and, how committed, I suppose, Samaria's is notoriously good in terms of commitment of mm. players. You know, they are very good at that over the years. And, and um, we can, we're nearly able to punch above our weight most years. Like, so I think that gives a good inspiration too, that, you know, if you can, if you can get players that level doing really well, what could you do with really good players? And that's, that's really ha- what happened is because when 2003 came along and I was asked to coach the throne team, I was still quite young. I think I just turned 30. At 29, actually, when I took the job on. And, but, now I was able to put the stuff I was doing with the college players, but now I was putting them in with a, a really good, talented inter-county team. Yeah. And and it then started really, it worked really well that year. We won the All-Ireland, so yeah. it's good. And, and and just staying with the college thing for a second, because I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm saying, like the Sigerson, Sigerson in particular in terms of football, obviously Fitzgibbon and hurling and different things, like the window is getting so compressed for, for senior college football now at third level. Um it's a wonder. It's it's one. I I I'm not sure what the future of it mm. is going to look like. And and you spoke about how important it is. I think for players' development. It's so it's it's such good level football and yeah. and and even the friendships that fellas make playing it and and having a meaningful competition. It really looks like it's um it's getting squeezed to the last now in terms of of, of the amount of time it's developed to actually play these games. Yeah, Mike. That's a really good question. It's something we have we have talked about a lot. Um. I think the last weekend was the last proper weekend was seventeen the year St Mary's won the Sigerson and it hasn't been a weekend since. But when I went to college back in the nineties, we I started college ninety two and the, the Sigerson weekend was something you just live for if you could get to it, like you know, just to get the experience playing that three it was actually that time it's done three matches over three days. 
Now, it come to the Sunday, if you made it to the weekend, to the last day, like it was nearly survival of the fittest, who's, who's still had a squad that you put out in the field. But it is quite unique in that way, you know, uh, the way it is run. But everybody gave everything to it. You know, every college player loved playing it. It was the time of year. The referees a bit more lenient. The conditions weren't great. It was a bit more rough and tumbled, you know, but you, you found out an awful lot about the quality of the player, but also the character of the players you're playing with and against. Did they really want to be there and on a wet Wednesday or a, on a, on when maybe traveling a couple of hundred miles to, in somebody's backyard, you know? So there was that thing. And I, I, I could always see like the players that, that may went back to their clubs after playing Sigurds and football and you may never hear tell them in the game, yeah. but they just disappeared again. But yeah. for those three or four years, they were they were savages, you know, and they just loved it. And and you mentioned the comradeship and the friendship and the and the, you know those, those friendships are still there. You know, I know you 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 probably the same experience. I know I spoke to Murph one day about his time in UL, and, and I know myself and Samiris and talked and see like when you see the Samir, the the Cork UCC lads and UCD, no matter what, there's always that connection through football and. Uh, I think it's a special opportunity for players and it is getting squeezed. You know, the window now is getting where it's been run off in four weeks or something, start yeah. to finish. And it's Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. And and um, they're nearly glad to get over, get out of the way. And I think it's a shame, you know, but it's unfortunately, it's, we're nearly out. We've got to see us now where between inter-county and the way the club season's run into yeah. inter-provincials now as well. Um, this, the, the college football has taken a squeeze, which is, yeah. to my it's a, it's a pity. It is. It's just one of those things with the split season. It seems to be. It seems to be suffering a little bit from the collateral damage of of the benefits, obviously for the club and the county. But yeah. it does look like that window is getting a bit a bit too compressed. Um, just yeah. getting getting back into it, Paddy. Like like you're you're talking about starting there. We'll say with St Mary's at the Sigerson level around two thousand, and now this is your fifteenth year. Did you say this is this one now yeah. is your fifteenth? Yeah, I just I just was thinking back one day. Somebody asked me the question. I think I just finished my fifteenth year of Inter County. Uh, coaching, yeah. So, so what was what was for you something that you could look back on and say that that's an area that I've that I've really really improved on from when I started to to where I am right now. Yeah, I think it's just the game itself, Mike. You know, just knowledge of the game. I think that's my biggest change. If I look back to what I was doing at the very start, it was very much based on you know it was it was training and coaching. And if you go back, um, you know. If, a lot of stuff was supposed to come from a sort of sports science background. I was into implementing a lot of new stuff back in the early 2000s where players maybe weren't exposed to it before. So a lot of my stuff was fairly good, was fairly based on good, good reviewed work, you know, and, and tried and tested. And that's probably the benefit of being in the same ways because you're using some ways and it's a computer disk, you know, you're, you're, you're using it to experiment with your players and your systems and your, your methods, you know. So then when you know all that done, you're bringing that into county level. But, I, that, I look back at it now and I think, Jesus, it was very simplistic, you know, what I was doing. Um, and maybe sometimes simple in, ter- simple in terms of the um, technical aspects of the game, but sometimes too much in terms of content, if you know what I mean. Right. I was trying too hard right. to, to keep things happy. But now what I did over time was I, I, I learned to evolve my coaching to make it a lot simpler, to get the message through a lot easier. But I think I just learned more about the game about mm. coaching the game, you know, because I was focusing, we were focusing an awful lot on certain things in the game. And looking back to geez, you know, there's, there's an easier way of doing it or a better way of doing it or a more productive way of coaching. Mm. But the other thing too is, everywhere I've coached, I've learned an awful lot from the people I work with. 
like uh, this year in Kerry, for example, I learned an awful lot from the management team and, and the players in Kerry that I wouldn't have known before going in and the same on every other opportunity I've had. So I think it's a combination of experience and just knowing, understanding over time, which which really has changed the way I view coaching nowadays. Yeah. And and that, that idea, you, you mentioned the kind of technical and tactical stuff. Um, that obviously is a, it's a big, it's a big, big part of, of it. Obviously you have to have that kind of knowledge, but the, the other side of it, of, of understanding how, how people are picking up your message and how they're going to take your message and, and, and moving on is, is probably the bit that has to, you just have to gain that experience and go through there, I suppose, really. You, you do. And if one advice I would say to coaches, don't, don't rush things. You know, if you're a young coach out there and you're thinking about getting involved in teams, you know, take your time. Don't, don't feel you have to get to the, um, to the end quickly. Uh, I've I've noticed a lot of really good coaches going in too quick, too hard, and then within a few years, they disappear off the coaching scene because they've been hurt by it, and things haven't worked out well, and they've maybe become a little bit disillusioned with it, and maybe give up. Or my attitude would be: take your time, you know, don't don't rush things, um, learn as much as you can along the way, become a, become an avid student of the game, uh, and you know and. Don't be expecting things just to work for you straight away. Now, I've been lucky enough that I, I did get a success quite early, which was good. But, like, I got success. Like, it's nearly 20 years since my first All-Ireland to this year. Like, it was 19 years since 2003. So, it, and in between, there was 14 years of 15 years of learning in there as well. So, although I did get success early, that was just another Ireland didn't come to another 19 years later. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um. And and in between that time, I had to re rethink an awful lot of what I was doing. Um, so the to, the coaches really, it's, it's no automatic success here. You're just going to have to really work at it. So don't put yourself under pressure. Just in, enjoy the process as much as you possibly can, um, and and become a real student of the game. Yeah, yeah, that idea of of, of a student of the game and learning is like it. It really is a kind of a lifelong. Like you can't you can't go to a three courses and 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 get a qualification and 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 expect that things are going to roll out perfectly the way you want them to go it's you look know, you're learning as much as many as and many lessons from those kind of knocks and defeats and and where things didn't yeah. work well in a training session as you are from from the victories obviously ah looking back at it you nearly a bit cringe some of the things you did like you know <laughs> <laughs> or or nearly eat my own hand off myself when i think back to some of the things you did at times and jeez regret it like but here you, you learn from it and even not just you make there's so much to it like you know we obviously there's an organizing good coaching sessions the coaching says are purposeful and there's a there's a meaning behind it and and they're enjoyable and it's fun you know there's a good there's a good um learning there's a, there's a good learning outcome at the end of it but it's also then it's dealing with players it's dealing to understand different type of learners with you know what what's the best way to to teach them what's the best way to coach to get the most out of the of their sessions as well so i think that. I think that um, only now, yes, now it's only really now you feel really com- feel confident in, in your trade, and, and I, I know that might sound it a long time, but it, it has taken me a long time to get to feel pretty confident in what I'm doing mm. because I've had to make, I've made all those mistakes, and it's not even you don't really know what you know until you somebody asks you, you know, that's that wants to learn, and they sit down with you and say, "Come here, could you tell me about this and this and this?" And you're able to tell them straight away because you've been there and you've had that experience. I think that's when you realize yourself you've picked up a good bit along the way. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you're forced to actually think about it and, and, and put it out there to somebody. Like you, you mentioned the players and the learners, they're obviously they're at the center of, of everything that you're doing, really. And if they're not, you're you're probably not doing things in, in the right way. 
in terms of that, Patty, like where where are you? The technical and tactical stuff, I think, is that's the easier that's the easy yeah. stuff, really. But in terms of what you've you know what you've gained along the way in terms of dealing with people and and the, and and the players and how how best to get the most out of them, like what have you come across that that has been big big learning for you in that area? I just lucky enough, Max, because I come from a background where I grew up in a pub, you know, and we we have a fam we have a family pub and. It's, it's it's one of the greatest universities of life is dealing with people <laughs> in a bar, you know, um, and all from eighty to eighteen, with all sorts of backgrounds, come from all sorts of and of all sorts of needs in any given moment. So you you do learn public, you know, dealing with people and and public services is, is really good. And then supposed to I've, I've been teaching now for twenty five years, so you're constantly communicating and working with kids and students and and in university, you know, you really you spend a lot of time with students as well. So you do really. You hone your own, your teaching skills and your delivery skills as you go along, but you do learn that there's so many different ways of teaching nowadays. Uh, what I feel now is a concentration, concentration and staying on task is becoming something that we need to be really aware of. We can lose people very, very quickly. They can drift off because of now, like I, I laugh when I was telling my students about you know having to go to the library years ago, you know, to, to get a, a book. And I would tell them about going to the little drawer and pulling out the drawer and then flicking through all the cards to find the Ninety seven six point two five, and then writing it down, and going upstairs three floors, going to all the bookmarks and getting the book out, and then taking the book down, and then photocopying the stuff, and then putting it back in again. And that would take you maybe 15, 20 minutes. Where now the flick it in the phone, there's the answer in front of you, you know. So, and and that's just the way life has been. So now, now young people want to know the answer straight away. They don't want to, they don't want to spend the time. I think, in fairness, this is the way it is. It's not their fault. I think they want they they need they need answers pretty quickly. They need information pretty quickly. So I think we need to be on our game, you know, nowadays and how we teach and how we learn we, we coach that we that we um we focus on on good sharp succinct messaging without long you know trying trying to dry things out because I think we can lose the, the younger players very quickly in that end of things. Mm-hmm. There's also then too you know um I also feel that that football. And and but I've learned with Kerry this year that that football means so much to to the players at the, at the highest level, you know. And, and every every team I work with at the county level, they find that you know they're really really the players that are there want to give everything they have. But we have to be conscious of the fact that if we're not working at that elite level of sport, you know, football may be something that the players are doing, but it may just not mean as much as we expect. So our 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 motivation and our dream for that team may not match with the players want themselves so we have to be wary of you know that not just because I, I feel it that the players feel the same you have to be aware of how they think you, you, you know what actually motivates them to be successful and I, I, I've i used the example of, of a team one time when I when I um, after a game I had them in for a bit of a meeting and I asked about six or seven players how did they um, what was their motivation for the for the match at the weekend to win it and of seven players I asked it's seven different motivations you know, seven different reasons for winning the game. So now that was really seven. If I extrapolated across the next 20, 20 players, there could have been another 10. So even though we all want to win the game, the reason they want to win the game wasn't the result at the end of the day. A few of them just wanted to win the game because they wanted to get a one over the other team. But it, was, it could have been something to do with their own personal drive themselves. They want to prove a point. They wanted to do it for somebody else sometimes. You know, there's so many reasons. So it opened my mind to the fact that you got to be very open and how you you know think about motivate how you think about winning because um together we focus on the same level you got to think across a range of different areas like yeah and and like 
touching on motivation obviously is 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 huge. I'm sure, it's huge at at every level. Whether we're talking about yeah. under sevens or or you're talking about senior inter county, there's different levels, obviously. But it's it's um it's a huge thing in terms of in terms of things there for coaches, Patty, and like you know the question of how how do you motivate players now and the old the old model people motivated by by trying to shout people down and and tear them down and and you know it's all vocal roaring shouting like what what way now are we are we talking about you know motivating players the best way that we possibly can yeah i think it's as recently was was we've been thinking about this you know because it's 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 really really important that we know what motivation means you know, you're right. Back in the day, you know, it was it was rip roaring through the change room and take the door off the hinges on the way out, and you know, and take somebody's scalp, take somebody's scalp off. You know, and and that was that was how we played it. And yeah. here, some days it worked, some days that's what we just needed to do the street. And but there's other days that I think I don't think that could work every day nowadays. It might yeah. work the odd time, but I think we got to be a bit more attuned to what motivation means. Interestingly, we've been talking about this, and and um. There's three areas, suppose that you look at really, there has to be something. And, and again, go back to that point that I said about asking players what motivates them to win the game. They're all different reasons. So we, we gotta be aware of, of of what that what it means to someone individually to, to commit themselves to play play football to start with. You know, um it, it mightn't be just an easy choice for some people to make that commitment. Other players, people think it's just that they really want to do it. So we gotta understand that. I think we also have to have we have to feel as if we have a, we have a, uh, a purpose among the group. You know, the, the team has to have a clear purpose of what, where they want to go, a vision of how they want to go about it. And, and that bit, that purpose has to be a buy-in from the players too. So there has to be a, a, a fair amount of, of buy-in among the group. And that, that has to be clearly articulated. And there has to be a set of, some people talk about non-negotiables, things that, that you have to do in order to be part of it. Um, then you also have to allow for players to be themselves. I think we we can't tar the same brush and just because we all play for the same team. It doesn't mean we're all the same. So we have to respect individuality within that as well. And if we get that there, then individually players will have their own individual motivation. You know, so I think there's a lot to it nowadays. You know, and that's why I'm saying it's just not a matter of expecting everything the same. We just got to be open minded to what what it's about. Um, but but I I still think that you know. The benefits of playing team sports uh, are are just incredible, you know, and especially with young players, young people nowadays, what they can get from it, not just playing the game in terms of fitness, but their the social, yeah. the the psychological, you know, they the 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 fact that they're part of something, the, the part, the feeling of of well being they get from doing it, you know, so and and uh, they. The friendships that they're going to have for not just during that year but for years to come so i think we have a lot of things we need to be really positive about in our games and, and keep promoting those among the players and that's not again can be highly motivational for a player too mm. and like you, you you've obviously mentioned youth sport there and and like it's come up several times like and obviously there'll be people listening to this patty that are under sevens or nines or elevens coaches and then much yeah. older as well obviously but for those youth coaches and that idea of motivation i think is is a really important topic to kind of just linger on yeah. for a minute because that idea of shouting at people now 
like kids, you mentioned how they communicate differently. Kids aren't, aren't listening to you shouting at them for 60 minutes yeah. to try and get them to play better. That's not how that's not how we're motivated to perform at no. our best anymore. And and that doesn't that's work. True. Yeah, of course, there's a there's a maybe a, a short term burst of, of motivation that comes from, you know, I'll prove him wrong or I'll prove her wrong. But ultimately, it doesn't sustain and it doesn't last. Yeah. And eventually people will will step away from the game. But like for for those underage coaches or for the for those um, those juvenile coaches, like what are what are some of the practical things that they can be doing in their sessions to to try and you know keep kids motivated to keep coming back, keep showing up, and keep playing and 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 have all those benefits that you talk about from team sports. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. This is really important, and and, and I suppose the first thing I always say is that it has to be enjoyable mm. for for children. Enjoyment and fun has to be the center point of of our games i think when when they have that we have a in in, in teacher training we we right we, we teach our say to our students there's a very clear line between enjoyment and success or enjoyment and learning so if a child enjoys what they're doing they're much more likely to learn in that environment if they're if they continue to learn and continue to enjoy they're much more chance of being successful so if we think of the very first, first the fundamental first stage is, is fun and, and enjoyment and they'll keep coming back and the more they come back, the better they'll get and the, and the better they get, the more chance they have of success. So, but we can't jump to success without thinking of fun at the very, very bottom. So I think we have to be, because nowadays again, we're back to the point of young children need this stimulation, they need to have enjoyment, they need to be there and, and parents need that as well. Parents need the reassurance that when you're bringing their, they're dropping the kid off to the local club for training or for, for practice sessions that the kids buzzing coming home really enjoyed themselves and they want to go back the next day you know and, and I've had this with uh, I'll tell you a great story there was a there was a, a parent I, I have a young lad he's under he's under 11 and a half this year but a couple of he's under nine and a half so I helped out with the team but there was this young kid parent I, I, I went to school with myself back years ago and, and uh, he'd bring his kid to the training he kept, came to me a few times and said this lad has no interest at all doesn't really want to be here. I find it very hard to get him to come. And I said, right, okay. So I, I asked him, I said, what, what do you, what do you do? You know, he said, I come, I come down here. And then, and then me and him go out to the backyard and I coach him. And I said, right, what do you, what do you tell him? He said, I tell him what to be up to the ball. You know, I tell him to explain this is the way you have to do things and you need to improve this. And I said, right, okay. So straight away, I, I knew where the problem lay. And it wasn't the kid at nine years old. It was daddy who really was trying to coach his own child. Now, he was best intentions in the world. But what he was pissy doing was he was critiquing his child on the way home from training every night, bumping the back of the car and then telling them what you should do better. So by the time we all got home, even though he may have enjoyed it, anything he got out of us and he'd taken away before the time we got home. Yeah. So I said to him, uh, says, what do you think I should do? I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I said, see, see next time you, you have him at a game or you, know, you take him home from training. When he gets into the car, don't mention what he did in terms of his, of his sport. Don't critique his game. Don't tell what he did well. Don't tell what he did poorly. Just just tell him, here, you know, that was great. I really enjoyed watching you play the other night. That's all you got to say. And he goes, but no, I need to tell him once. No, you don't. Just tell him that. And that's all you say to him for the next few while. When you lift him and tell him, just tell him, that was brilliant. I love watching you play. Nothing else. Five or six words. And uh, he, say, he says, why do you say that? And it's because... That's all the child wants to hear from you. He just wants to know that daddy's happy and play, he's playing. Mm-hmm. He just wants to know he's there. To, you are the most important male 
to him in his life. And all he wants to know is daddy's happy and what he's doing. So this particular guy says, this now would not be like him, you know, <laughs> this this boy, this boy was cut from a rock and then right. hell, you know, but he did it. And he and he, he came to me by every weekend he goes, he can't wait to get playing football now. He's coming down all the time. I said, what are you telling me? I just tell him love watching him play. Great. So it was something I learned years ago that a child at nine doesn't want to know that he just wants to know his daddy happy, mm-hmm. his mummy happy. And that's all they want because they just feel if they're happy, I'm I'm happy. So there's a tip for your coaches. Uh, yeah. don't critique don't critique too much keep it fun and just tell them I'm really enjoying watching you play that's all the kids need to know whether it's your own child or somebody else's child at that early age that's more important than what yeah. they're doing because I think they will find a way you know I think we're 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 starting to get this now but I remember growing up years ago remember years ago Mike there was a there's a soccer man- magazine called Shoot mm-hmm. or you know remember Shoot yeah you used to get it the bread man you used to bring it around on Saturday <laughs> <laughs> our bread man our bread man had newspapers and magazines. And no, not, not our one, no. Yeah, he was deadly. And, he, and so the shoot was with 25p or something or 10p. Whatever. But anyway, there was an inside it. There was like, if you if you collected vouchers every week, you get you sent off for a Kenny Dugleach wallet and coaching right. thing. So when this thing came back, there's like a wee black wallet with Kenny Dugleach's signature in the front of it. But inside it, there was a coaching card. And one of the things in the coaching, it says, the tip from Kennedy is practice practice your skills you just until you get to 14 or 15 you know just practice skill 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 don't worry about winning i thought to myself that's going back when i was set that's going back 40 years ago and that's still pervaded to this day it still stands mm-hmm. you know when they're young skill 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 the winning will come as a consequence of it you have to work down the line so skill practice enjoyment and 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 having that getting the kids come back to it all the time i think that's where it that's why I'd be heading with the coaches with the kids. Yeah. Anyway. No, that's brilliant. Yeah. And and like, you know, the the worst thing, uh, you, I'm not sure who said it, the worst thing about youth sport is the scoreboard. But obviously when uh-huh. you say that, people are saying, oh, you're soft and they have to learn how to win and lose. And of course, yeah, they do. And and there's yeah. no there's no doubt about that. But like, Jesus, if you can just keep them coming, Petty, like just keep them yeah. coming, uh, whatever you have to do to make it as enjoyable as you possibly can and keep them showing up. And and the kids, like we spoke about this with a couple of people like Fionn Fitz and, 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 and different people previously. Yeah. Like we don't know at at ten or eleven or twelve or thirteen or fourteen years of age who are the guys that are going to play senior for your club or or senior for your county or we just don't know because they're they're just still finding their way. So the key for us and it sounds easy to make it fun and enjoyable, yeah. but there's there's work in that, like and there's a bit of skill in that. But it's so so crucial for those young ages to make sure we just keep keep them coming back. Oh, it is surely, and you know that the whole model of TGF, you you know, teaching games mm-hmm. for for understanding is a brilliant model. I, I in my lecture in St Mary's with, with I te- my uh, students are going to be lots are going to be primary school teachers and also secondary school PE teachers. But when we're teaching the we use the TGFU model, the teaching games for understand model is absolutely brilliant. But the key and course. The core aspect is it's all done through games. So no matter what you're doing with the children, do it through games. If it's a warm-up, it has to be a warm-up game. So if you want to build, like, you know, we do um, a warm-up game, like tag, tag chasing games, where you're changing direction, agility, slowing, stopping, chasing. Like, it's all the skills you need for movement patterns. So rather than doing drills and out and out and straight lines or going on around a cone, around another cone, just play a game of tag where they're chasing. You're going to get all those movements built into somewhere where there's fun. And there's also decision-making. Where do I go? How do I avoid? How do I evade? 
how do I get, how do I chase, where do I work to, within boundaries and closing somebody off at a corner. So how many times have we done this as a senior level, closing them down the line that they can't get past you later on. But if you get that basic skill done when they're playing a game of tag, you know, in a chasing game. So, you know, what I'm saying is here, the, the, the model is based on games. So if it's a warm-up, give it a game. If it's a development of the, the session, small set of games with different wee conditions in it, and then you're playing games as whole whole games towards the end. So everything's done through games. And the reason that I say this, we're all do drill, is we can spend a lot of time doing drill, 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 close practice, close practice. But that's that's something we have to do a bit surely, a bit of handling, a bit of warm-up, very fine. But then get as quickly into your game-based stuff as possible, because that's where the children are going to learn to make decisions. And the better players, as we know, as they get older, are the better players that can make the right decisions in the games. So the earlier we introduce decision-making, and problem solving into their activities and get it done at an early age. By the time they come to 14 or 15, they have built a repertoire of skill and decision-making and game awareness that is second to none. And we didn't have that growing up. Like we, like when I go back to my underage coaching, I think our first underage football was on the 14s. Like when back, that's about, under 14s were first organised right. club football. But um, and before but the first organised football was meant to school. At, their, at um at uh, post primary school when there's first year team and on the fourteen school team, but our first club football was under fourteen. So we we missed out in all those years of coaching or develop because nobody knew what they were at, didn't know what to yeah. do it. Yeah. But I see now, I see the kids now at eleven, and how good they are. Their skill levels, their thinking, there's some of them are just incredibly good. But that's why I think I would really promote the TGFU model. It's it's accessible. Go onto the internet, TGFU games, and just look at what they do and just follow that model in your coaching. It takes a little bit of thinking and planning. It's not as easy to plan a session. You have to go game to game to game. You don't have to change the game every night, by the way, too. You know, this thing that uh, we're, you're not an entertainer, by the way. You know, you're there to make them better, but vary the games up on different nights, but but keep good core games, the premise of what you're doing. And uh, kids love it because there's it's all the games, all the fun. You know, and uh, they, they'll, like, go back to the point, if you put 20 lads out into a pitch and give them four jumpers and a ball, they'll make the rules up. Yeah. And they're not they're doing drills. They just no. want to play a game. So, you know, that's the way. They'll just play a game. Pick two teams and let's play. And they'll referee it themselves. And they'll do all. So sometimes we sit back, why do we have to control everything? You know, let's get them playing games. They'll organise everything else in between, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You put you you give them four jumpers and they're they're not going to make an a line drill or a or a box to run around or you know what I mean. No, no, uh, no. But it's 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 just I and it's and I still I still think and I made this point maybe recently in one of these as well, Paddy. That like I still think that we're doing too many too many and I'm talking about underage uh, coaching stuff. We still feel yeah. the need that we have to do uh, fifty percent drills, fifty percent maybe we play a, lot, a big game at the end. Uh, no, and, and I know that's changing, and a lot of a lot of yeah. coaches are 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 becoming far more aware of the likes of teaching games for understanding and 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 using like two v twos and four v fours and building yeah. into bigger games or whatever it is. But um, it's it's such it's such a, a, an easier thing to do is to set up a few games, and it's so much more enjoyable for for the kids or, or adults. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh -huh. It's just such a a much more enjoyable and a richer experience for those because of the decision-making and all those very game-specific movements that they have to do as well. Ah, and the crack to have, like, the yeah. fun to have through the two, brilliant. And if you keep score, if you're refereeing, you're giving bad decisions and you're, you're, turning, you're turning the game over and you're getting scores wrong and it's mad crack, like, you know, they love it. Awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic.
come here and just let's i i want to move up the line a little bit now again right because i'm i'm like that's a, that's some really good stuff there for our for our underage stuff but in terms of and it, it's not it's not separate but in terms of culture petty like cultures is is a kind of a big buzzword around the place at the moment that you know again if you win if you win something well you must have had a great culture and if you didn't win well maybe your culture was what is what is kind of and you've been involved now in a lot of different capacities in different counties and, and and places what does that kind of term culture mean to you what what is that in in in, in gender in your brain when when you hear that yeah it, it's um, that's a really good question um and there's no i don't think there's no definitive answer to that in terms of you can't just use one like one a, a cultural experience from one area one county is different to another mm-hmm. like we're in tyrone here we would have a, a, a sort of a different culture to carry for example you know and there's not one better than the other it's just the yeah. way it is it's just a, it's a we're really a product of our environment and we're a product of our society and, and this is just the way we are so you have a different way of viewing what what it really is but if you if you generalize what culture really comes down to three things it goes down to your, your values your attitudes and your beliefs and, and that's what really what culture is your values within the, the group the values within where, what's what are the values that are clearly defined the attitudes about how you go about your your training and your your general attitude is in how you prepare and how you you carry yourself, and then your find is what what is your belief what is your beliefs about you know and that that draws experience from your your own upbringing from society from your people from your county whatever and that that brings you who you are so if I'm so people have and and that's what I would always class as what culture really emanates from the values attitudes and beliefs of any given team. Um, uh, obviously there's lots of things that can be unique to a team and, and, and people can get culture so far, so wrong uh, I really mean this I, I have not just last week but a, a conversation with a friend of mine who come, who's a coach in a different sport and he was telling me how a particular head coach within a professional team tried to is trying to bring a culture to a team that is contrary to everything the team believes in and as a result of it this team are doing really really poorly but it, but he doesn't come from that area. He doesn't understand the people. He doesn't understand it, and he's trying to implement his own plan, and it's working really poorly at the minute. And he said to me, "This is never going to work because nobody understands it, and it's it's it, it nearly goes against what they're trying to what's what this place is about." Right. So, grasping the culture is really important. Respecting respecting it, you know, having a feel for what people think themselves, and uh, and then. Being able to align your philosophy around that is really, really important. Don't try and go in and change the culture or something unless you have a really strong, ingrained knowledge and understanding of the of the people of the area you're working in. I think it's very, very difficult. Professional sports, it might be easier in certain sorts of professional sport because it's a lot. It's about, you know, the successful professional teams that are really, really good are also very culturally, culturally very sound, but their culture is very much on a professional attitude. You know, it's their job, it's their basis, and, and they will tap into certain aspects of where they're from and whatever. But generally, these people pay, they're getting paid to do their job, and their culture is very much the based on it's performance-based. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in, in Gaelic games, we got to be very wary and respectful of the people or where they come from and align our, our philosophy and our thinking and our, and our attitudes and our beliefs and values to that particular area mm. so um it can play a big part mate as you know yourself you, you've seen it and you've seen it living and breathing in your own county you've seen where 
there, there's a there's a, an incredible culture in Kerry for the game and a love for the game. It doesn't mean you're still going to be successful every time, um, but it certainly gives you a good start in the sense that when the players put on a Kerry jersey or get to the stage where they're representing the county, they have a certain level of expectation that they, they have to wear this jersey in a certain way and behave in a certain fashion. And uh, that's a great head start because lots of counties that don't have success find that very difficult. Mm. You know, when you and I have spoken about this ourselves, the challenges you and I have had in the past of managing counties where, where it's, it's tougher, it's tougher to get that message across. And maybe it's because they don't, deep down, don't believe themselves that they could be successful. And I think that's where, that's, that's where Kerry are different. They, they, they know that if they do things right, there's a chance they're gonna, there's gonna be success where lots of other counties, not, it's not that there. Yeah. In a club level, in a club level, I think it's it's incredible that what's going on down there at the moment with your your monster champions now and in, in, in all three, a senior, intermediate, and uh, and junior, and in, in club as well, you know, and that's and I, I think that's that's testament to the, the clubs as well, and you know, it's been it's a very successful it's a very successful time in Kerry football in the clubs mm. in Kerry, and uh, I think whatever's going on, it, it's seeming to both well for your for your county it's the rain petty it's something to do with the rain man i don't know, what it is. Yeah. You know there's, there's something there but like just to stay on that for a second on the culture side of it right uh and when you talk about uh the clubs like obviously kerry have a um kind of a thing in, that's ingrained in our in our history or you know different to tyrone different to dublin different to everybody else they have their own unique ones that's are that are individual but all clubs do and you know, basketball clubs do or rugby clubs or soccer clubs. We all have our own kind of culture that's there. But if you're somebody who's who's coming in and 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 wanting to improve that or or to enhance it to try and get more out of your team or your players or your 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 club, like is there any kind of like practical things, you know, that that we can do as coaches at those levels to try and develop something really positive with our own within our own team? Yeah, I think I think the the key, Mike, is like is there has to be an engagement from everybody that's going to be involved in that particular team to walk in as a coach and say this is the way it's going to be, and this is my idea, and you know you have to pull the line, and this is what I'm talking about. The coach and mentioned a few minutes ago with reference that he trying to change something that's virtually impossible to change is not going to work. I think you have to bring everybody with you. Mm. I think there has to be a uh, when you are working with a team that's you know there's so much knowledge and there's so much um so much experience within the room that you're there that you gotta draw on that you gotta engage the players to become part of what we're about so let's go back to what I talked earlier on about motivation and we talked about you know having a purpose you know a shared purpose within a group you know, so when it, when it, when it, when we're talking about having a shared purpose that that will drive us all together, essentially what you're doing is you're creating a culture, because once you're once you're getting people to buy into a shared purpose, in order to keep that purpose going where you want that 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 staying within that on that vision and that purpose, you're going to create a culture of behavior around that that's going to drive, and you may be able to draw on some of the. The inspiration from the local, local area but generally what you're doing is you're drawn from the the, the power of the players themselves mm-hmm. what's 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 innate within those individuals and you're using that to shape your culture you know so very all successful sports teams if you look at it 
have been driven by internal. It's not something coming from the outside. The people that maybe come up from the outside were the people that became the architects of it, mm-hmm. but they used what was there. They used the power of what was there to to shape it and and to 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 to, to drive it and to and to form it and to continue it. Like, and I think that's that's where I think you have to go with. You have to you have to bring people that journey with you. Now, there's a skill in that. There's a skill in that. It's not something that everybody is able to do. And this is where you maybe sometimes consulting with people outside of, you know, to, to specialize in that particular area is, is really good as well. Mm-hmm. But that, that the key message is you, you have to bring people with you, obviously. You have yeah. to, it has to be theirs as opposed to something that you're trying to impose from, from the outside, like your buddy that you're, that you're talking Absolutely. about. Um, yeah. engaging players there Patty you, you you mentioned just engaging players like what are some what are some of the things that you found that works really well in terms of engaging players like obviously we, we we're talking about we need to bring players with us we need to involve them in you know the games and yeah. different things yeah. what what are how, how how what have you found that that really works well in terms of engaging players yeah I think the first thing is is to, is to not have a an us and them you're not having a having a. I'm the coach and you're the player, and there's a sort of a. I I don't, I, I don't really believe in the in the in the divide between the two. You know, I think that there's respect coming back and forward both ways. There shouldn't be a divide between the two. I think we're in this together. I think the players have to be equally as comfortable speaking to me as they can, a teammate, and I feel equally as comfortable speaking to them as I am to part of the management team. You know, I I think that's really important. I think we got that pretty pretty good in where we are at the moment. I think we're we're, we're finding that and we're developing that further. I think as I said, I think it's really important because I think that that builds trust. I think that helps to garner trust between the people, the players, and the coaches. So I I'm not a big believer in sort of in standoffish. I never was. I don't think it really benefited anybody. I don't, to be honest, with you, we don't have time to be standoffish because we're so limited in the amount of time we have with our players. Every moment's precious. So when we get an opportunity to speak to somebody, even just talk to them how you know on or what's going on or how's work or what's life going on or um you know, do you see my Kirk's haircut recently, it's lovely, you know, or whatever. Is he still playing basketball? You know, and but what I'm saying is here, you you gotta make the most of every moment. Mm-hmm. So I think that I, I never was a believer in standoff players in any way. So I think that's how engagement happens. Having that moment, sit down and have a chat. If you ever get a chance to go for a cup of coffee and if it, or even after a game have a pint with somebody it's just lovely like you know having that even some of the most enjoyable moments this year was after the after the final when we spent a couple of days on the road and you had a great chance to talk to the players after it was over and you realise you know you know, the, I think everybody realised we're only in for the same thing we just we, do, we want to do well and I think you have to have that open I think that openness between coaches and players I think that's crucial you know and mm-hmm. um, so that to me is in terms of engagement. I think that's the first step, is having that, having that uh, open. And I, I suppose it goes back to my, to my teaching and my lecturing. Like I have an open door policy in the university where my door is never closed. My office door is never closed. It's left open all the time for a student. If they want to walk in, sit down, have a chat, no matter what, they can come in and do it. Just leave it wide open. And I always left it that reason. I, I keep telling them the door's open and never be closed. Unless somebody comes in for a private meeting and they're being engaged, saying on it, but generally said just to allow people to come for a chat and I think modern day young people need that they need to have that feeling that the person that's there working with them is more than just looking out for their coach their football or their sport but also looking out for them too mm-hmm. and that I think that's that's good and you know like you know we're we're never gonna 
we're never going to, as coaches, probably understand the impact you're going to have on anybody to a lot, lot further down the line. You know, it, it's, it'll be down the line or in years to come when you probably, somebody will say something about, you know, you remember you coached me in such and such a time, whatever, and you helped me with this, you helped me with that, or whatever, and that's great. And that's what really we're in there for. Like, you know, well, it's all I all I really want to know is when the if I, if I if a player ever says thank you to me, that's my success. You know, that you've known you've helped that particular player or that particular team. That's that's good enough for me. Like, you know, so I think that engagement from the start is really important and then constant continually staying staying engaged as we go along. And you know, it's it's um it's quite easy to come and go every training session and you might not speak to every player every night in training. You know, you might have an opportunity, but if you can over the course of the week, yeah, speak as many as you can. Yeah, and and like even like you mentioned there, an open door policy in in at work, and and like that's a yeah. very physical kind of um, signal to people that you know, like I want to I, I want to talk, like come yeah. come to me and we can we can have a conversation. And, and like anything that you mentioned there was really about talking to people. Like yeah. it wasn't. There's nothing hugely complicated about you know speaking to somebody and asking them what's going on and how are you and and the information that you'll actually get if you ask people questions and you talk to them for a couple of minutes and it is difficult particularly when you're dealing with 30 plus people to try yeah. and get to everybody within a week or two that's that's hard obviously but if you're talking about people that are operating at different levels with less people you know it, it should be more manageable to get to those people as often as you can you know oh definitely like yeah that's so important mike you know and it's, it's incredible what you can find out in a conversation you know, about somebody's mood or somebody's going on with kids. So I, I, in the past, players have come to me and talk about things. And I, said, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I had absolutely, I noticed the form, dipped a bit in trainers, and I was saying, God, what's wrong? But then we, when, when we drilled down into it, some some young players were having horrid times, you know, in their personal lives. Uh, I, I just remember one where a young kid came to me and he's, he, he, uh, he, had a, he had a gambling addiction. I, I didn't didn't see it. Wouldn't have sought any day. He was he missed a few classes in college and he wasn't coming to class. And I, and I and I called him in for a chat one day and I asked him what's the story and he goes he says um told me he was he's thousands and thousands of pounds in debt and and he had a gambling addiction and I asked him I remember saying to him, what is how's this manifest as he goes well he says if I had a five pound in my pocket he says and I was starving he says I walked past the bookies I couldn't make it to the shop like I'll go into the bookies and and uh, the, he says, I just, I don't know how to do about it. So anyway, thankfully he told me I was able to get him help and uh, it worked out fine. Mm. What I'm saying is, you know, that was an, that was an opportunity of an open door. I did, that didn't expect me, but he came seeking me out because he needed that, he needed that little bit of help, mm. you know. So it, what I've learned about that is in dealing with young people, presume nothing, really presume nothing, you know. Uh, okay, we want to do well as coaches and we want our teams to be successful. But we've got to be very aware of the individual. Let's go back to my point about earlier on about when you're creating a within that motivation, you've got to be really aware of the individual. What's 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 happening? Now we're not we don't want to be soft. That's the odd thing too. You 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 gotta strike that balance. But I think if any if there's true respect there between coaches and players, you know, nobody nobody will take liberties, players won't take liberties and coaches won't do that. But you just have to let them know that the door's open. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm all right, and if there's something like I mightn't be able to help you, but I'll surely be able to find you somebody who can help you, like yeah. you know. Yeah, and that you know, you you mentioned soft there, and that is that is almost the thing that that some coaches look at this and they kind of go, well, look, 
you know, I'm about I'm about winning here. I'm about driving these fellas, and I want to I want to get the very most out of them. But like, like, there's still room. There's still room in that for 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 dealing with people and and having good people skills and 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 creating a kind of an atmosphere where people feel comfortable enough to come and talk to you and say, Do you know what, Paddy, I'm struggling here, man. I, I actually need a bit of help. Yeah, yeah. Listen here, Mike. It, it happens, and 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 if footballers aren't infallible just because they're super athletes and they're some of these guys are high profile and they're 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 think they have an ideal world and you know a young boy a young person looking up to and the county senior playing golly he's everything going from you know he's in great shape he's fit he's playing at the county football he's lucky he's got the gear and you know life's good for him but you never really can tell you know so that's where we got to be you know um be aware of that and i think that's where you know being vulnerable you know uh, interesting is listening to a, a podcast um recently from a a, a navy seal um and the Navy SEALs will be seen as quite elite in in uh, in um American sport or American uh, military. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he talked about was vulnerability. He says that that they learned that they had to be vulnerable. Do you think you know you're talking we've been hard? They are actually taught to be vulnerable and they're actually pulled apart by their commanders to be vulnerable and open. Otherwise, they'll never never learn, and they're not they can't learn. So what I'm saying is, you know, in sport too, we need to be wary of that and I think respectful and 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 if we can uh, if we can help anybody in any way we will always we'll always be there for them like. yeah Betty, uh, I'm we're going to leave it there because I, I I've I've got you know for about an hour and I don't want to delay you um to put, a, to put a ribbon on it Patty to put a nice bow on it and put it under the tree what what if there was one message that you could you could send to coaches of all age groups um to make sure that you know that they're delivering as best as they possibly can for the kids or adults under their care. Um give it to me. What what what's your what's your what's your um your magic solution to yeah. improving everybody and what we're doing? Yeah, I think just you know um continue to to be inquisitive, continue to strive to learn. Um there's a there's a good speaking sport is is when you it's what you learn when you know it all as counts. You know, and I think that's a really good one. You know, when you think you know it all, what you learn after that is even better. You know, so yeah. what I'm saying is, lucky enough, we've had success this year, but I know straight away the wheels in motion are in place to continually learn how could we improve next year. And that'll be the drive for Kerry. That's to be the drive for everybody. You know, any, any team, how can you become better as a coach? What can you learn? Spend time. I said, don't rush things. Don't rush things. Spend time learning. Uh, apply your practice and be in teaching we call it being a reflective teacher look at yourself reflect on your work try not to try not to make the same mistake twice you know try not to double up on mistakes because that's that's sore and you like you know when you make the same mistake the second time around and then you really check yourself because you go why did i do that again mm-hmm. so try and learn from the mistakes and really just remain remain inquisitive and curious and there's so much to learn out there we're all this is my this is my favorite time of the year when we're off season because then you go in and you drill down into stuff to try and find what worked last year, what do we need to do better, um, what will it change, and what's going to be new next year. And this is the exciting part about it. So, um, my message is that's basically it, Mike. Brilliant. All and, right, boy. And obviously, it was great, Petty. We're about the only two fellas that didn't go to Mauritius, so we're um, <laughs> yeah, it's great to be doing this in Ireland. Yeah, the lovely weather. <laughs> um. So, folks, just for the people that are listening again, obviously, uh, another reminder just that this is obviously that fundraiser for Recovery Haven. And 
And uh, if you do have anything spare, it would be fantastic to make a donation towards the um, the into the link that's there in my podcast description below or on my Twitter page. So, Petty Tally, thank you um, hugely, man, for that. I, I found that brilliant, and I'm sure everybody else will too. So, thanks a lot. Have a great Christmas. Happy Christmas, Mike. Take care. Good luck.